Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. Hi friends, I'm Lauren Curry, the founder of Upfront. We're an organisation on a mission to change confidence for 1 million women and non-binary people by 2023. And we do this in three ways. We transform your relationship and habits around confidence, power and visibility through our six-week online course. Each cohort is called a bond. Bond is the collective noun for a group of women and over a thousand women have graduated from a bond from over 20 different countries. We build community, real, genuine, human community, where women learn how to stand up for themselves and each other. We hold each other to account. We celebrate each other and learn together. Our community is Global Bond. We create content that will inspire, challenge and motivate you to be upfront. We are here to change confidence, not women. Upfront Moment is designed to kick your week off with confidence, self-compassion and agency. Welcome back, friend. I am genuinely really excited to share this week's Upfront Moment with you because my guest is a man who I always look forward to talking to and I could talk to for hours and hours. This week's guest is James Routledge. James is the founder of the mental health startup Sanctus. He is the author of the Mental Health at Work book and writes an incredible weekly newsletter. In this conversation, we talk about upfront in the context of being a man, in the context of masculinity. We talk about confidence, We talk about the relationship between men and women, men's emotions, male role models, leadership, and so much more. It is a very open and honest conversation between two founders and two friends who want to see the same change happen in the world. I hope you love it. Onward. Hi James. Hello. How are you today? I'm all right. I'm happy to see you and uh, I'm enjoying the comfort of these humongous headphones. <laughs> they are very large. It's so nice to see your face because normally we have all our calls on audio because we're yeah. walking through forests or yeah, being out, trying to be outside. So I'm very excited you're here on the upfront moment. Um, and you are a man. I mean, this is this is very unusual. This is a first. Very exciting. Um, so yeah, where should we begin? Tell us, tell us your story, James. Who are you? What do you care about? Well, first of all, I feel very privileged to be here, and I'm I'm definitely well aware of being the first man on this uh, on this podcast. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm a bit I'm excited and nervous, definitely. Mm. Um, where to start? I suppose. How would I describe myself? Entrepreneur would be the first thing that would come to mind. I think that's what, um, you know, how I often describe myself or how a lot of people describe me. Started a couple of businesses, one out of university, which was a failure really and and was a bit hollow. And then I think, well, what I'm most proud of is, is Sanctus, which is a business that I started six years ago off the back of my my own issues with my mental health and I've been a big part of the mental health movement in the last six years. So not just me, obviously, but, you know, a big community of people have come together and and talked more openly about mental health and being honest and real and vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. I've definitely been a part of that. And I suppose that's really opened my eyes and, and changed my life really, to be honest, I think, you know, that's what's given much more range to my life and the issues I care about. I think mm. 
I got into mental health because of my own struggles and then you know, starting there with my own emotional experience and then noticing how I respond to the world around me and stuff's just massively opened my eyes on loads of different levels in terms of, you know, the hobbies I have personally, the people I spend my time with, but then also loads of other like social injustices and things I care about. So I think that's me. More more of of course, but that's probably yeah. enough for now. And you've talked a lot quite openly recently in your newsletter and obviously you're quite a prolific uh, write. You know, you write and share a lot about your journey and your learnings online. And you talked recently about your confidence Mm. and the kind of journey your confidence has gone on that you're currently on. Can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with confidence? Where's that at for you just now in your life? Well, I'm glad you called me a writer because I definitely could have described myself as a writer, but that, that probably links to the confidence piece of I sometimes yeah. I, I find it much more easy to describe myself as a founder or an entrepreneur, whereas a writer, I feel more underconfident to describe myself as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, confidence. I've always had a quite a strange relationship, even with the word, I suppose, mm-hmm. growing growing up. I would have been described as and described myself as confident. Yeah, I think I just had one version of it, like that off at times bordered on arrogance, I think, mm-hmm. of just like and and faking it, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like pretending that I knew what I was doing or having this air of confidence. Um I think from sort of an early age, like even as early as a, as a teenager, I think I I learned to like mask stuff. If I needed to look smarter or bigger or braver than I was, mm. I learned a, a good way of doing that through maybe my body language or mm. how I would talk or kind of like acting in a way, I suppose. Um, so I think I had a, an air of confidence all the way from sort of teenager to sort of university, ended up leaving university to start my first business. And definitely through that, I had a very, you know, I was confident, don't get me wrong. Like I could go into a room and I would, yeah, I could talk and be in there. And and at that stage in my life, I I genuinely didn't feel anxious or anything. Mm -hmm. I, I think I probably just buried those feelings pretty deep or wasn't in touch with them. But it was quite fake's unfair because at times it wasn't fake. At times it was real. Um, brittle is definitely a better word mm-hmm. for it. Though. I think my confidence was quite brittle and fragile and there wasn't as much substance to it. And you know that business in particular was probably one of the first times where my confidence was massively shattered because it was a failure just like straight up <laughs> facts it, it just was you know there was loads of success in it but and I came a long way and stuff but it was definitely a failure and then and then through Sanctus and and struggling with my mental health which was a big sort of existential crisis really for me of like who am I what am I about you know I dropped out of uni to start something it's not worked out I've I've been putting on this front in this bravado of you know this is me i'm this really successful young guy mm-hmm. and then that that went and that sort of was shattered and smashed like a sort of pane of glass and then through coaching and therapy and group stuff and all just the whole this whole world of self development that sanctus opened my eyes to and loads of different people in the community as well i feel like i sort of rebuilt a different form of confidence that felt Mm. more real and more grounded and much more powerful actually Mm. in a in a good way (laughs) like not in like a uh I don't know power is a funny word isn't it but yeah really I felt powerful in a good way um like I felt like I had an authority and a voice Mm -hmm. actually and that felt really really good and then and then yeah, and then, but then to be honest, over the last couple of years, COVID, working remotely, mm. 
really struggling with the challenges of growing a business and, and scaling it and, and running a team. I've, I've definitely been knocked by a lot of that. And yeah, I felt underconfident again. So I, I don't know. I feel like I go on these little um, oscillating graphs with it and, I, and I'm actually coming back to myself you know, now I think in the last couple of weeks, I've started to feel much more confident again. So mm-hmm. I feel like I've had quite an up and down journey with it really where, yeah, there's there's sort of, I have moments of peak confidence where I genuinely feel like I can achieve anything. And mm-hmm. then I have moments of, of, you know, crippling self-doubt where I think I'm worthless. <laughs> That's, yeah. uh, you know, sort of day in the life of, I think. Yeah. And I think that's so common, but we just don't talk about it because, we're kind of fed this idea of confidence. Confident is either something you are or you are not. It's something you have or you do not have. And so when we find ourselves in this very human ebbing and flowing, peaks and troughs, ups and downs, we suddenly think there's something wrong with us. Rather than accepting like that is by its very nature, how confidence works like it's not a final destination it's not something you acquire and then have forever it's it's like a muscle that you have to build and work on and stretch and sometimes the conditions are really good for that growth and sometimes they're not and that's also okay yeah 100% and I think one of the things I'm noticing more and more is is how my environment or the people I'm around impacts how confident I feel I think for the for the first couple of years of Sanctus, I felt extremely confident. Beyond confidence, really, it was like a, a knowing. It was just, mm. I just, yeah, just I felt like I was walking on air. But I look back and I'm like, well, yeah, like I was, I, I was feeling purposeful. I felt like I was in the right place. Like London was the right place for me to be. I was in a new relationship and like, you know, in love in like a really good way that I'd never been before had this wicked team around me that we were all vibing off in Shoreditch I love being there you know there's loads of reasons why I felt good and then I actually didn't change a lot but then you know COVID virtual working suddenly I'm trying to run team meetings from my you know my kitchen and yeah and then I don't feel so confident so definitely environment has a big impact on me yeah environment and people and I think that's something we both as leaders as founders as humans we both really care about community like it's something that we talk often about like the power of the power of being somebody who feels uh, almost this like that purpose of feels so compelled and pulled to create a community around something that we know needs to exist in the world and I'm I'm really curious to know from you and obviously you're you're a founder your business was really focused on mental health you're you're a man but you're also close to me you're very close to upfront you know we've been working together building a friendship over the last kind of year and I'd love to know like how being exposed to the ideas around Upfront, has has that changed anything for you? Like what has that, yeah, what's that meant for you in terms of how you see things, think about things? I'd love to, to hear that. It's meant a lot. I think it's the first thing to, to genu- genuinely say. I don't, I think when I sort of came across you and I asked Jen to, I can't really remember. I think I saw Jen share something that you'd shared and I was like, this just looks sick. Like I want to meet Lauren, basically. <laughs> Another shout out to Jen, my guest yesterday, Vicky. Jen, Jen introduced me to her as well. Jen, we love you. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, if I'm honest, I don't know if it was necessarily the upfront or you changed anything for me in that moment, but more just crystallised a lot of the reflections or questions or confusions or thoughts I had about I suppose about gender perhaps Mm -hmm. for for me at that time and and the relationship between men and women and I think I just 
saw you and was like, yes, you know, there was something about maybe the way you were speaking or the upfront branding or something mm-hmm. that just felt like right to me, I suppose. Um, but I think truthfully, I'd been sort of asking myself a lot of questions and I suppose soul searching a little bit around a lot of these, a lot of these big questions for, for like a while. And there was just also at that time, like, you know, a year or so ago, I think, or, or two years ago, I can't actually remember the date now you had like, you know, Sarah Everard and just like, I was in London at that time and just, yeah, stuff was like staring me in the face, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And like, I couldn't unsee it. Um, and and it kind of reminded me in a way of how I felt about mental health, where like suddenly I'd had this experience with mental health and then, you know, everywhere I looked, I could just see yeah. mental health in a way. Um, so, yeah, I think, and then that, I still feel, I don't feel, I don't know, like I feel, I still walk around now and I, like, I still ask myself questions about, you know, gender and, you know, like the relationship between men and women or a woman's experience in the world today. So I don't, I almost don't know if I feel changed or if I'm still, my eyes are just getting ever wider, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I still, I feel like my awareness is okay. Uh, and I would love still, if I'm honest, to be more like active. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people talk about allyship, I suppose, be more of an ally, let's say. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where I feel like I'm at. Um, and that's why I was excited to be here because I don't feel like I've ever had an opportunity really to like, I don't know, share my story of that or even just have like an open conversation with someone yeah. who I trust and you know I feel like I can go into that with safely mm. so yeah what are your relationships with women like both like inside and outside of work I think to answer that now it it, it would be better to describe how they were mm. <laughs> and then and then answer that now I mean growing up for me I grew, I grew up in Stoke so Stoke is a, a working class area I, I would mm-hmm. say I, I wouldn't describe my upbringing as working class however you describe that you know it's a podcast for another day but I you know my dad dad's a teacher mum's a nurse I never went without anything like I had a good upbringing right but Stoke itself is a working class area and here I would say the roles that men take are very stereotypical you know if you if you went, if I went to a pub growing up, you know, the women would sit down and the men would go to the bar and buy the drinks, yeah, yeah. you know, and probably not even ask the women what they want. They'd just come back and they'd go what they're given. Mm. That might sound like I'm being damning or hot. I'm just, that's just yeah. what it is. So mm. I, I grew up with quite stereotypical, it's quite rigid roles of, of men and men and women in my life. Um, and that, and and to be honest, at the time that was no bad thing. I, I had a lovely upbringing. The, you know, my mum extremely caring, and uh, you know, just made me feel incredibly loved. Same with my dad. My dad maybe a little bit more of the disciplinarian. Again, quite like quite. I think that's quite typical. At least that was typical mm. for a lot of people I knew. And at school, you know, I was in. I was definitely, you know, one of the lads, I would say, you know, football, in the football team, basically, which is what one of the lads meant, I think, at my school. And, you know, we would, on the playground, went to a mixed state school, Catholic school, me and the lads would stand in a circle and play football and wouldn't talk to girls. Like, you know, my, growing up for me, honestly, I would talk to a girl if I wanted to have some sort of romantic relationship mm. with her, that, that re- I did have friends that were girls, but it was almost like, not that it wasn't allowed, but it, it certainly was a bit like not frowned upon either. And and again, I, I don't want to make it sound like I grew up in an absolute workhouse because I, I de- of course didn't, but that is kind of how it was like, definitely the, the lad culture I was in just wasn't very feminine straight mm. up, mm. you know? So you know, it's quite rigid for what we did as lads. We played football, 
we went out and got drunk basically mm. um and we talked about girls and about basically getting with girls if i'm honest as a teenage yeah. and a, you know young guy and some of the you know some others would maybe have s- some actual friendships with girls but it, it wasn't common and yeah I, I just to be honest i just think that like that's how it was and i just not really seen mm. like much else R- really just quite almost quite separate that's how I just saw men and women, I think, yeah. growing up, just quite separate, um, each fulfilling particular roles and just not much crossover, mm-hmm. really, not much diversity for, for me. Um, and even my early sort of, and again, then, I mean, then I, ent- I went to university and I entered a, the startup world. And to be honest, that was just compounded because I probably just yeah. saw the same thing again, really. Yeah wasn't in my first startup wasn't exposed to many women a few but in a way like they just didn't feel much different if if I'm honest like Mm -hmm. what they yeah it was I don't know and how is it now because it's not that now completely different I mean the last six years I've just been exposed to more diversity in my work and personal life than I had in you know in 25 like mm-hmm. by an absolute mile and and to be fair I think that started with me because as I was struggling with my mental health a lot of the introspection I did was about tapping into a completely different side of me mm-hmm. which was you would probably describe as feminine yeah um you know like creative actually being (laughs) like compassionate to myself Mm -hmm. actually being kind to myself um being vulnerable you know accepting just all these different parts of myself that had had massively been buried Mm -hmm. so I think it started there yeah and then through Sanctus and through that as a big community I just met you know I just met women that I'd never met before, basically. Mm. And men, and men, you know, like, you know, gay men. I'd, I'd hardly met a gay man mm. before. Mm. Um, uh, but in particular, I've, I've, of all the, you know, different types of people I met, I think in particular Sanctus opened my eyes to um, just women. I, I, yeah, I, it, it feels so weird to say, and it, it's hard being here because I do... I'm I'm almost I'm imagining how people listen to this. I'm I'm, t- I'm tempted to feel embarrassed, but I'm I'm just being straight up honest that like I just honestly feel like I'm I met different women <laughs> through Sanctus mm-hmm. that yeah just massively changed my just opened my eyes and also in my relationship with Sarah you know met a very different woman um, or different I don't know a different expression of a woman let's say. And then that, yeah, that just, yeah, it's just opened my eyes, I suppose. Um, Because I'd not, I'd just not really met many different types of women before. Yeah. And, you know, I think I hear your kind of fear, if, if you like, of, gosh, when you say this out loud, what are, what does it sound like? How will people judge that? But I really quite deeply believe that is what you're describing is a very very common experience for people of our age who grew up in in areas of the country like the ones where we grew up um so i think you know there's power in that honesty and that's why we wanted to have this conversation right like so much of um of course up front we have decided to focus our work on women but that that doesn't mean that we think this problem doesn't affect men. Like all of the ways we talk about how broken confidence is and what this kind of very patriarchal, narrow view of what a confident person looks and sounds like, that is harming men and boys as well, of course. And I would love to hear from you, like how you see that harm showing up in whether it's your life, the, your friend's life, the, the kind of men and boys who you love and spend time with, like how do you see, how does that harm come to life? 
do you think? I mean, I, I speak about myself because I think that's the easiest. I mean, I, I look at the boy I was, frankly, before mm-hmm. before Sanctus. I wasn't a man. I was absolutely a boy. Um, absolutely a boy. And I, I look at myself there and I honestly just look at like a lost pup, you know, just mm-hmm. with no idea really just how to like connect. Yeah. Um, and because I had been just trying to like living in a very narrow existence of what I suppose I believed a man was really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, a very narrow, you know, be strong, be a rock, mm-hmm. be, um, you know, have this like sort of bravado and this brashness, you know, be, you know, all smiley, get the drinks into the bar, like make good money, um, be up for it, whatever up for it means, mm-hmm. like, you know, work hard, play hard. Like that, that, that was, that was who I was. And, and I don't want to do a massive disservice to that version of me because he was a great guy. Like I'd loads of mates and like, <laughs> yeah. you know. I'd like um, to go on a night out with him. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, but ju- just that, but, you know, try and expand that out and then add say to that person you know that 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 version of me would never have um I don't know I wouldn't have gone to like see a play you know if someone said to me oh do you want to go and see this like quite random like off the wall play it would be oh no no I don't do you know like so Mm. just just really just just narrow um and that what that meant is that all these different parts of myself that really wanted to live were, were repressed or depressed, you could say. And that's what that led me to feel like. It led me to feel depressed, anxious, stressed, panic attacks, because all these mm. different parts of me that want to exist and flourish, uh, I am basically pushing pushing down. So, you know, I think this version of like what a man is and these rigid roles are harmful um, to, to us all. And I think I definitely felt, harmed <laughs> you know by myself uh, and by the, the groups and the the environments and the cultures that you know I suppose I was part of creating and we were all creating together like this kind of you know toxic lad culture that can also be absolutely wonderful and have an amazing sense of camaraderie about it but yeah it was it was it was harming me because there was I wasn't bringing different parts of myself. Like I wasn't being creative or vulnerable or asking for help or um, exploring passions or interests. There's very little safety mm. or room to express. And yeah, I see that. I see that now. Like it still worries me now. I look at men and I look at what this slim definition of a, of a man is. Mm-hmm. And I think about what's lost. And there's a lot being lost. Mm-hmm. And then for me, that's a very clear segue into men's or some men's um treatment of women. Yeah. It's just, it's just to me, it's completely obvious, you know. 100%. So it sort of and, and I and I, I know that I and I see that because I, I feel like I've lived it, you know, to be honest. Like I think yeah like how i felt about myself who i thought i was the 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 small view i had of myself meant that i engaged and connected with women in a very limited way mm-hmm. um and that's sad you know it, that's sad it means that i'm not i wasn't getting the you know full connection of and i think and again i mean meeting someone i mean friendships i mean learning from people i mean you know, in all different sort of ways. So, yeah, it, feel, it feels really harmful to me. Is it something that you and your friends talk about? No, not really. Um, no, I, no, no, not really. Yeah. I, th- I think there's definitely, there's a much, and this is not just in my friendship group, of, I see that I think this is across the board. I, I do believe there's a a much greater appreciation of of the female experience now 
that that men are more empathetic towards mm. has that yet truly moved the dial in how men bond with one another treat each other and then in turn connect and, and treat women marginally maybe one percent but no I, I don't think so really yeah. uh yeah because it's uh i mean you know we've i've shared this with you that often clients will say to us well do you run bonds for men or what do you have for our male populations um and for me you know i think men have to want to do this work like they want to have to show up and be engaged in these conversations and do the often very uncomfortable work of kind of unpicking the the part that they play in these harmful systems um and from my vantage point i don't see or hear the desire to do that from men very loudly from from where I kind of stand in the world and I'm curious what do you see in here from where you're standing because there's a lot more men in your eyeline than mine yeah no I, I see I, I, I really feel like I completely see fully see it see the, the male experience of, of living in the this world right now the world mm-hmm. where they say the I don't know western world or British or, or whatever you want to call it. I, I really see that that experience. I see I see lots of fear. I see lots of insecurity. I see lots mm. of judgment. I see lots of doubt. I see lots of guilt. I see lots of like confusion about privilege, mm-hmm. but also suffering and like the relationship of how mm-hmm. can I be really privileged but <laughs> feel like I'm suffering like yeah. that that weird feeling so I really feel like I see that I see this very kind of confusing dynamic where you know I, we I understand and I think a lot of us I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of men here but understand <laughs> that men have it very good right mm-hmm. in the world it's it's been Absolutely. designed by yeah. men let's see that yet then there's still a lot of suffering in there yeah. so 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 men might get it sort of like not pra- practically good or they might have this status or this power or, and be in powerful positions and have money and wealth and stuff yeah do i see much conversation about men's emotions no do mm-hmm. i see much space for that no do I see any male role models leading that conversation? No. So it's like men almost, again, I'm speaking very broadly here. Yeah. It's as if men have got these great riches mm-hmm. and wealth, mm-hmm. yet like emotionally, it's actually barren. Like it's mm-hmm. totally barren. Like, yeah, you've got a few people like me or a few co- the odd coach who pops up on LinkedIn and talks about men and shame and vulnerability and all that, but tiny, 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 tiny. Yeah. Look, you know, I hope I, I, you know, whatever, I'd love to lead the way and, you know, whatever, but I look at role. I look at role models for men. I I couldn't name one. I I hands down could not name one. Like seriously, I couldn't name one, you know, look at, look at politicians, look at, look at sports people, look at, I just like, barren, totally Mm -hmm. barren. So like, I I really feel like I see, I see that experience. And and then I see also a lot of men, and I felt like this, feeling like they've got a target on their back, like feeling, Mm -hmm. especially a lot of men in leadership positions, just feeling like, you know, the world is waiting for me to put my foot wrong. Like, um, so, so I really see that experience and I, I can be, deeply empathetic to men mm-hmm. because I can would I expect you know a woman or a person of color to be that empathetic towards no of course no I mean if 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 you've got enough in your cup to yeah, give yeah. that brilliant I mean that is incredible but would I expect that on mass no I wouldn't and so what do we because part of our it's not sneaky because I'm going to just say it out loud now that one of the reasons we wanted to do this conversation is because we hope that lots of 
the men who are in your orbit and in your community will listen to this podcast and I'm probably sure 99.9% of them will never have listened to any previous episodes and I hope they stick around and listen to the rest. What do you want to say to the men who are listening? Who are feeling that fear, the judgment, the guilt, the inability to connect? Yeah, I, th- I mean, for me, like, again, as, as someone who feels like I'm... Um... I am on some sort of path with regards that that feels good for me to be on. Um, I know that like I've had to do a lot of work and ask myself a lot of questions Mm -hmm. about my relationship with women historically, the, you know, the relationships between men and women I've seen in my my life. So whether that's my parents or other relationships that have been role modeled to me, and yeah, I feel like I've had to work through a lot of that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are ways I've treated women in the past that, you know, in whatever, in relationships or whatever that I'm not, I'm not proud of that. I was carrying a lot of shame about or guilt mm-hmm. and, you know, I've, I've, I've let a lot of that go. And that, that wasn't easy. That, 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 yeah, that took time and yeah, as a result of doing that, I feel like I've dropped any like, I don't know, like bitterness I had towards women, which I do think some yeah. men, some men carry in some way. Um, or angst, or, or also like bitterness about my life that then made me unable to empathize with someone else. So like if I'm if I'm feeling scarce, if if my life's hard, if I'm depressed, I'm anxious, like you know, the world's out against me, I would probably respond to something that Upfront put out and just be like, oh, fuck off. Mm. Uh, what, you want more attention, do you? Right? That 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 is a response that you will get. Whether you get it overtly or you get it yeah. in someone's mind, that is the response you would get from men. Mm. Now, I won't respond like that to, <laughs> to Upfront and to <laughs> other, you know, not just, and this, is, this goes beyond women as well, but because... I'm resourced, like, and actually I feel like I've, yeah. I don't know, I've been able to, like, heal some of my wounds or grow. And um, I think that's what needs to happen for men. Like, I just think there's a load of baggage there that a lot of men maybe haven't had the opportunity to to work through, which then means there's an empty cup and there's not much to give from. Yeah. And, and maybe there's also some, like, you know, some stuff in 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 one's past about about women right about old relationships um parental dynamics mm-hmm. like or you know the masculine and feminine parts of yourself like were you called gay at school mm-hmm. all these like loads of this stuff that just builds up and it builds up and it and it completely blinkers you know one's <laughs> outlook of of the world so I think it requires like some some healing, basically coaching, therapy, journaling, mm-hmm. um, and then what I would hope to happen much more organically, really, which which is which I think is as impactful, if not more. But again, you've got to be open. Is I'd love more men to just actually f- spend more time with women, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, in professional work, in creative work, in yeah, you know, in friendships, like that because that's properly it's diverse isn't it you know and i think that also applies to your your diet your life diet if you like it's like the books you read and the songs you listen to and um you know chris and i talk about it a lot because chris is so for example he started climbing recently so wants to go on Instagram, find professional climbers to follow, YouTubers, people to be inspired by, books to read. And he was saying to me, like, just the... He had to work so much harder to find women because all of the algorithms, every website, everywhere he looked was pushing a white middle-class man at him. And he's trying to find 
you know, the young black woman who's queer or whatever that might look like. And it's just incredibly hard, but it's also very doable. You know, it's like do the extra Googling, take the extra few steps. And, you know, the stats around how many men have even read a book written by a woman is staggering. I mean, I would say that in in my words, in my like layman's words mm. that maybe like men, you know, the, the, the men that I know would understand is do stuff that women do or read stuff that women say or like spend time with women. Yeah. Like I've been lucky in a sense, but be, because because of because of mental health in particular and because of me getting very into, you know, self-development there's a lot of practices that are, are naturally more feminine that are then often led by women. So go to a yoga class, as an example. I've yeah. been in many a yoga class where I'm the only guy in there. Okay, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Not so much now, it's changing a bit. But when I first started going to yoga, yeah, I was, I'd often be the only guy in there. And and yeah, I might notice that, bloody hell, they're flexible. My, <laughs> my genitalia is definitely different, you know, like fine that's and that that is a massive experience for me because mm. i don't get in the that minority also i'm in like, i'm in the minority when does minority. that happen exactly so but that's incredibly healthy learn a lot yoga as an example is a great practice right um yeah had the exact same like i read a lot i love reading um i particularly like reading classic books but classic books are all written by white men because mm. that's who's been writing history so you know for me, if I'm just forget all the moral, ethical, from my heart reasons why I want this movement to to happen, just from a purely intellectual perspective, I'm like, well, yeah, I should probably read some stuff that women have written because that'd be interesting, you know, like genuinely just as simple as that. Um, but but more than that, because again, I, that's growth for me. Like mm-hmm. I am growing. I am growing a different side to myself. So. Yeah, I just, yeah, spending, I don't know. I, th- I think a lot of men, though, just get really challenged by women, so kind of back off straight away from, from there. But we're starting to paint the picture of how we want the world to be, right, which is a big spot we do as founders and people who build new things in the world. And, you know, we're on a mission to support one million women, so how, from your vantage point, how do you think the world will be different when we achieve that goal? I was thinking about this in the shower earlier. I think there's a couple of things. The first one, which would be great if you could just get on with this, would right. be just no, just just see more female leaders. First, yep. Like that is the first one for me. And and more, you know, more female CEOs, more female. Mm-hmm. Lead, leaders in general, founders, what, whatever. I, but, but I suppose if I was being even more like deep, let's say, it would actually be more feminine leaders. Mm-hmm. I hope more of those are women. But actually, you know, yeah, regardless of yeah, like gender, yeah, yeah. M- you know, a, a man like a male, a white male CEO, like I don't know, just not being this like typical alpha aggressor like showing up in a different way with like with compassion with care with kindness yeah like just more feminine leadership in in the world more more room for femininity full Mm. stop really to be Mm. honest um that would just be way better like yeah i mean i'm just fully loaded in this like I, i literally it's funny i'm i'm going to um on Saturday, I'm going to an acting class, mm. and I've I've wanted to pursue acting or at least go to an acting class or something since I was about 13. Because when I was 13, my English teacher, Miss Beeson, asked me to be in the school play, and I said no because I was scared because mm. I was scared of getting the piss taken out of me. Mm. Right? Drama. It's feminine. Yeah. The only other person that liked drama at school was was a you know was a young lad called David who was gay who basically got bullied. So we need this for kids. We need it for you know young me, so I can actually go to my drama drama class and not feel like I'm going to get you know ripped by my mates, so that they felt like they could explore some of their other um, passions and hobbies that maybe weren't available to them, like. 
yeah, we 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 fully need it for the world to be a more harmonious, compassionate place. Um, yeah, that's what I'd like to see. Well, I hope little James enjoys his acting class on Saturday. He'll be there. <laughs> He'll be there with his bright orange shirt. And 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 the other thing I would say, so, sorry to, to to in response is mm-hmm. I actually I actually think you know. I'd, I'd like to see more. I'd like to see men more able to connect with one another in ways that are like healthy, you know, that aren't, you know, six pints down the pub or, um, or whatever it might be, and and that, that because that just feels like a, a root cause, really, yeah. that yeah. Um, isn't really being attended to right now, and and it concerns me because I, I just feel like it's getting more shameful in a way which means mm. things are just being pushed more yeah like down and down more i just yeah it just just worries me it's one for mm. another day maybe but i would like to see that i really would and thank you for the the part you play in upfront's growth and clarity and what our relationship gives to me as the founder driving this I really appreciate you. Well, thank yeah, thanks for leading the way. Like I, I feel like I'm following you. I honestly, <laughs> where 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 you go is you know opens doors for me. And like in our relationship, like there's a, there's things you've said to me where I just I'm like oh god yeah you know it's like though mm-hmm. she's a great example. I honestly think at 25, I you know if me and you had have had a relationship, it would have been which would have been different. Like you you would have if we were to have one, like, I feel like you would have like, I would never have been able to meet you where you were at and you would have had to become quite laddie and jokey. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And like banter mm-hmm. to, to get me to, mm-hmm. to get me there. And, you know, so. Um, but still get me wrong. I am very funny, but I don't like pints, You are extremely so... funny. No, I know. <laughs> but yeah, there's like, like, for example, even when we were doing this podcast, mm-hmm. you asked me to come on the podcast and I said to you, oh, like, I'm nervous because, you know, I feel like, I don't know, like sometimes I feel like oh, whatever I might say could be used against me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and then I can't remember exactly what you said, even though it definitely completely stayed with me and made me do it, which was like, yeah, but is that not worth it basically? And is that not what other people experience? And I was just like, well, well yeah. <laughs> which again is, is testament to having a relationship with someone who is different to me right mm-hmm. and and i hopefully us both learning from from one another um yeah, yeah like... and i'm glad that you shared that because i think that is part of where the hesitancy to engage in this conversation comes from it's part of the the fear and you know i would say to any men listening in who are feeling that that a you know you are not alone in that fear that is a fear that all of us have when we're engaging in in conversations that centre our privilege. But B, you really don't have any other choice. Like it is, for all the beautiful things that James and I have just described and this incredible world we're trying to build, it is necessary for you to, even for your want to be just one millimetre bigger than the fear, so that you can start to have those conversations. Yeah, I, I just felt like for me to avoid being open to kind of being like, let's say put on the spot a little bit, mm. that I am keeping myself safe and I'm not creating any chance for like something new to happen. Mm. Um, and and like that's just like not fair because that's just classic me keeping it all to myself like I keep myself where I am but I don't you know I don't make any changes because it because the current the way it is currently serves me I mean one thing I often think about is I don't have kids mm. um but I honestly just think about like if I had a daughter I just think about mm. it all the time I like I just literally think what world would I want my daughter to come in into or the you know the young the family member I've got two uh what's it what is it if your cousin has a kid second cousin let's say um yeah two twin two twin girls and i just i just think what you know 
I would, you know, I'd like those those two to be able to walk down the street, yeah. you know, at night and not and not feel scared. Yeah, that'd be, yeah. that'd be really good, uh, and feel like they could be the CEO of a FTSE 500 business mm-hmm. at the same time. And then you've got my wee boy who thinks you're great, um, and people he's still coming home every day. So and so thinks I'm a girl. So and so called me a girl today. Exactly. Because yeah. he has long hair. Yeah, I'd love Atlas to feel like he could have a long hair and still be a man. You know, that's the yeah. that's why we're doing it. Yeah. Well, thank you, James. As always, thank you so much for being here. I'll Thanks see very you, much. I'll see you back in WhatsApp. <laughs> see you later. Bye. So this week's upfront challenge has two parts. One if you're a man and one if you're a woman. If you're a man, welcome. I hope you will stick around in the Upfront community. I'm really happy you're here. Your Upfront challenge is to do something that you think is for girls. Maybe it's going to see a play. Maybe it's dancing. Maybe it's taking an acting class. Maybe it's wearing makeup. Maybe it's cooking. But this week I want you to do something that you were taught to believe is only for girls. And for the women listening, this week I want you to do something that you were taught to believe is only for boys. Maybe you'll invest in some stocks and shares. Maybe you'll go a run. Maybe you'll lift some weights. Maybe you'll learn kickboxing. Do something that you were taught to believe is just for boys. Thank you so much for listening, friend. Let me know how you get on with your Upfront challenge. You can always write to me, lauren at weareupfront.com. Let me know what this moment made you think about. And don't forget to sign up to our amazing Upfront newsletter. Every Tuesday, I send links, inspiration and insight around confidence, power and visibility to over 5,000 inboxes. Guaranteed gumption and action. Bye friends, I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront Moment.